We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Welcome to Crushed by Margaret Caborn Smith, a podcast that relives the joy and horror of unrequited love so you don't have to. My guest today is the brilliant comedy writer, performer, broadcaster, raconteur, and gourmand, Chris Neal. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Hello. Hello. Do you accept all of those titles? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's very thrilling. That sounds like a sort of terribly old-fashioned. I might be appearing at the, uh, at the uh, some sort of club doing, yes. uh, doing an after-dinner thing. And you're totally in, in who's who. Um, so, Chris, hmm. one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you was you did a show on Radio Four that I absolutely love. Um, but it's called. Well, some of it is called. It's yeah. called has different titles oh, because lots you have of to be difficult. Yeah. yeah, one of the subtitles is "True Tales of Romance and Failure," yeah. which could be the subtitle to this show. So I'm assuming you're an expert in this area. Would you say so? Well, I don't know about an expert. I remember the producer wanted to rename it "True Tales of Failure and Romance." <laughs> And I said, no, <laughs> that's not the way it works. No. Um, I, I don't know. It's funny, I've, I've listened um, to some of these shows. And the funny thing is, growing up gay, of course, there's none of that, there's none of that sort of frivolity. Attack. Well, growing mm. up gay in the 80s, as I did, there was none of that sort of frivolity of having a crush on someone. It was sure. quite, potentially quite sort of Yeah, because you can't, yeah, you can't be kissing posters of no, men. No, I was very lucky. I had this little sort of cohort of friends and we were known affectionately in our year as the Puffs and Lesbians. Uh, actually, <laughs> P&L. <laughs> the P&L. Um, and that. Actually, there were only two puffs and no lesbians. Mm. I mean, there was one woman who kind of, you know, played around a bit in, over the years. But, I mean, she wasn't. <laughs> she would have never committed herself to lesbianism. There was an upside to it. We were, you know, out of, you know, we were out of the dreary day-to-day -day life of the school. And me and my friend Emma, the one who sort of played around a bit, we would, uh, at school, I remember on Wednesdays and Fridays, I had uh, geography and Latin and she had sociology and Latin. And we made this kind of decision for O-levelers that we just didn't need to go. <laughs> so on Wednesday, we would walk into Richmond Town Centre and have tea in Dickens and Jones. And on Fridays, I'd go a bit further afield. And she had very wealthy parents who always gave a lot of money. So we always had money. To we got on the tube and we went up to... A screen on Baker Street, as it was oh. then, and we saw Dance with a Stranger, and this was like the sort of 2pm showing on a Friday afternoon. So it was time enough that we could watch the film, get home, and then I could get in the door and be ready to watch Wonder Woman or whatever was on the telly, and no one would be any the wiser. And I had a huge crush, obviously, on Rupert Everett. Obviously. At that time. And that was fun. You could sort of share that. And think, but I don't remember them being real people. It was the only other person yeah. I remember at that time having a crush on was in my... And I, and I wrote an episode which sort of mentioned this in, in this radio series, was we had a French textbook about a family called Les Duval. This is what I wanted to ask you about. Oh, right, no, ask away, ask away. <laughs> well, no, because you mention in, in Woof that, um, so you have a crush on the boy from your textbook. Yeah, yeah. Was, so, it, was it photos? No, or, no, oh pen and ink Oh my God, so sweet. So pen and ink, you had a, yeah. a crush on a pen and ink drawing. Yeah, a selection did of that pen just, and ink drawings. Did that just make it, because it was very safe? 
to fancy a pen and ink drawing. You would never have to address have, that. I th- yeah, I think so. I think so. And and I, you know, he was a, he was a, a cello playing. He was a bit <laughs> older, so I was about fourteen. He must have been about eighteen, as he was the older brother. He had his younger sister that they used to go to the discotheque together, and um, uh, he was a, a he played the cello and he was a trainee accountant. And I just found this all. I mean, of, so I mean, it hot. wasn't sort of sexy, but it was <laughs> no, kind of really, really hot. isn't. Yeah, and. Um, I think I was about 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that was the first kind of uh, this feeling of attaching these these feelings of of longing rather than desire, I guess, onto someone. I don't yeah, remember did you want to thought. Did you want to go and see him in an orchestra and sort of learn how to do his taxes with no, him? No, I was or... just quite happy to read about how he washed up the dishes <laughs> to help his mother. I mean, that is still something that's very attractive, no? <laughs> in a man. I'm, I mean, I don't really, I don't remember really dwelling on, on, on him massively between French lessons. But I do remember getting into French. Well, you I mean, you're writing go, oh, about him however many years yeah, later. I mean, like he made an impression. Later, I'm still kind of going, oh, yeah. Uh, what was, was his name? He was called Jean-Claude. Jean-Claude. Um, but I mean, the brilliant thing was the book was called um, Les Duval, about his family called uh, the Duvals. And there was a really rough boy called Harvey <laughs> who sat next to me who was really shocked when he discovered it wasn't a bloke, about a bloke called Les. <laughs> And then there was a whole family of them. <laughs> oh, my God. But he's not even called Les Duval. No, he's Monsieur Duval. Uh, yeah, it's not a very French name, Les. <laughs> Les. <laughs> I suppose Leslie Carroll. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, anyway. But, yeah. And, I, I mean, they weren't particularly full on these pen and ink drawings there in a no, French. No, no, I imagine. <laughs> it's not the joy of sex levels of <laughs> no, pubic really hair drawn on. So I don't know. I, I mean, so at school there wasn't really... Yeah, there, I was going to say, was a do sort you... of a succession later on, but not at school there wasn't. But I think when I grew up gay, you you didn't have... I mean, you obviously sort of fancy people-ish. But I think you can't... I think part of having a crush on someone is making a down payment on your future, mm. on a potential future. And growing up gay, as I did in the 90s, I, you know, I had friends who knew I was gay. I was very lucky, I did, but I didn't come out. I was I was, I was terrified. I, mean, I had a twin sister who was at school with me, and we had lived completely separate lives at school. I was terrified that she would report back to so my parents. Did she know? Uh, well, she, not officially. Not officially, yeah, But yeah. I remember there was one horrible incident at home where... Uh, things sort of exploded in a sort of family argument and my sister said I'm not going to have anything to do with him because everyone thinks he's queer oh god um and so that wasn't great but um what age was that we were probably about 15 Mm. that's that's rough yeah it was quite hard and uh I mean I was horrible to her as well but we (laughs) lived completely separate lives at school separate lives Mm. now but um so I think because that idea of the down payment on your future, I had, I couldn't have a crush on someone. You can't, I mean, I suppose you can respond biologically to things, but I couldn't, part of the thing about growing up gay was I couldn't imagine what a future was. Mm. I remember sitting, there was a TV drama about Oscar Wilde, which I watched with my mother, which was a bit, <laughs> um, and and at the end... She said, oh, it's just also sad because they're all alone. 
Yeah, that's and, an and, I, and I couldn't of, really sort of argue with that. No, I didn't know that generation are obsessed with it. It's just a lonely life. Isn't yeah, it, it was just, a lonely just life lonely and, and dismissal. And you know, my parents aren't like that at all now. But I mean, as a kid, and I couldn't sort of go, no. But look at <laughs> look at Barry and George down the road. They're great. <laughs> there was no one. No. So so I think sort of without that in the future, it's very hard to have the posh bit in the present. Well, because I was another thing in your show was uh, you talk about when you were 10 and you were discussing what your life was going to be like when you were 20 <laughs> and uh, you, Thank you, you so mentioned... much for being the one listener. <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, I yeah, and you, you talk about how you, you wanted a wife called Yvonne. Yvonne. And but we when were... you pictured her yes. she had very short hair and a suit. And turned up in a suit and tie. <laughs> yeah. And then you were like, oh, I, have I married Elaine Stritch? <laughs> yes, I'm laughing at my own jokes. You're laughing at your own jokes. It's good. It's good um, work. Rory always plays I mean, good Oh, my God. Delivery. You laugh at your own jokes all the time. Um, but yeah. Well, we since did... you're the only other listener apart <laughs> yeah, from me, it might as well. That's fair enough. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was my fantasy that I would be married. I would have this dull job. I would work in the book department of Bentles and Kingston. Lovely. And on a Friday, we would go out for a curry. That is what we would do. <laughs> if, 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 if we had the means, we would have a curry. And then when I sort of thought this through, I thought I was just being quite sensible, you know. This was yeah. like, well, this yes, a very, it's a very and sad it's sort of slightly fantasy, your own, isn't it? It's very that, sweet. You know, we had a curry as a treat as a family, mm. so that's quite a nice thing. So, um, But it never occurred to me, I mean, maybe at 10, obviously, well, I was about to say maybe at 10, obviously, I didn't have a sexuality. But I do think you know earlier, and I do remember the very, very, very first anything which could be constituted as a crush we were we were in junior school, so the oldest would have been would have been say eleven, ten, eleven, and it was in the summer, and we were taken out onto the playing field, and we had a there was this we had this teacher, um, and she took us out there, and she said this is and I can't remember his name, but he was obviously I guess a student teacher, a mm-hmm. training teacher or something, and he must have been I don't know nineteen, twenty. But at that age, that is, and that was like old. probably, yeah. but kind of also, he was sort of different from the teachers, yes. you know. And I remember we played some, we played rounders or something like that. Anyway, but I didn't, and this is uh, this is the first sort of sexual thing that I remember. Is he lifted his arm, and it was a hot summer's day, and he was wearing a t-shirt, and I saw his armpit hair, and I thought, oh my god, yeah, he's like gorgeous, but also like awful. <laughs> <laughs> Why awful? Because it was, I think, because it was kind of adult and sexual. I knew yeah. the feelings were somehow sexual. So, like, it's, oh. it's sort of that pre-sexual thing, yeah. isn't it? And the sort of the terror of, oh God, is this? Yeah, when, yeah. when Why before you nice? actually, before you're actually thinking, yeah, oh, about yeah, I even give a name kissing to it or, or you know, yeah. it's just a sort of flush. And there was only no sort of boys at primary school I kind of had a crush on in no. a very kind of easygoing way. This was a much more kind of thunderboltish yeah. kind of feeling. And I can so still, I can rude, still sort of isn't it? It's so it. rude seeing armpits as well somehow. <laughs> I, I think I still feel like that if I say men in vests. I know <laughs> like what I've you seen. mean. There's something much I've more intimate about an armpit so than lots intimate. of things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you know what you're right? Was like, let's be honest, I've, I've seen pornography throughout my life. <laughs> armpits don't play, play a big part. <laughs> They're not, you oh. know, that, if someone... Oh, really? Oh, arms, no, I'm... If someone I'm lifted their arms, you go, oh, my God, you dirty bastard. <laughs> oh, my God, there's but a whole you, niche for this. So you imagine someone on a tube showing you a, an armpit. That would be um, sh- yeah, but I shocking mean, still, isn't it? I don't yeah, know. no, I think you're right. But what I'm saying, something that is overtly sexual, that's still not, yeah. it's still a bit kind of, oh, out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're right, when you're a 10-year-old to to see that and to 
I think also because he was connect, you know, he wasn't a full on teacher, yeah. so it was somewhere between us and them. So that was a kind of shock. And I mean, a couple of years later, when I was thirteen, um, I went to the World Cup with my dad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> were you? Um, what was your response to? Well, I wish I'd been a couple of years older, because I think I would have found standing on the terraces exciting, watching footballers quite exciting. Yeah, but at that, I was thirteen. My my sexuality hadn't really kicked in, but um, and it was awful, really. I mean, the whole thing. I oh, mean, I weird. took a, given... I took a book when I went when well, I was taking. So I I, I took that's why I, I mentioned it in the last series actually that I it's where I discovered P.G. Woodhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it really is. I remember so saying, many stories taking, of football and <laughs> PG Woodhouse. Like it was like exciting was we were staying in this hotel and uh, and we you know we were being treated quite well and it was all quite nice. But then the the, the price you had to pay was was we had to go to these two football matches. We had to go to England, <laughs> France, and England, Czechoslovakia, and we were staying in San Sebastian. And the football matches were in Bilbao, which was like an hour's coach mm. ride away. And it was so boring. And England, France, I will always remember as like being the, the time that i i read my first blandings novel <laughs> and england czechoslovakia i remember lasted exactly as long as it took me to read aunts aren't gentlemen <laughs> but the so reason i bring that up was there was another dad with another son and he was a couple of years older than me so i was 13 he was about 15 and we were Normally, I wasn't really good with other children, but he, we got on quite well. Yeah. We sort of played in the sea. There was a couple of days where we sort of just had time to play in the sea and things. And I remember thinking, I wonder if he's got armpit hair. <laughs> like Mr. Student Teacher. And he did a little bit. I thought, oh, and I just like, that I do Were you a bit overwhelmed? This. I was a bit overwhelmed. And I did. That was the first time I remember thinking, oh, no, I do sort of, this is this fancying is, yeah. this is This is what this is. Um, and it was kind of easy yeah, to compartmentalise. It wasn't like I went back to my room and sort of swooned about. It was really no. Of, but it was kind of, oh, yeah, and I can't remember his name, but, uh, you know, I wonder where so-and-so will be. But I know there's been a theme about, you know, crushes can reoccur and things. I feel like if I saw him now, <laughs> he'd be a 56-year-old man. I'm a 50, nearly 54-year-old man. It'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there'd be a thing where I'd look at him and go, oh, my God, the magic is still there. Still got the armpit hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean we've established that you're not interested in that anymore. <laughs> no, no, I mean. No. <laughs> so your first crush is Mr. Armpits. Uh, yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But presumably that was quite brief. Like, was he there? Yeah, I mean, just it was. I don't remember seeing him again. I just no. remember that that very sort of, I say, that sort of lightning bolt feeling, and sort of thinking about that feeling of crushes. Well, that was yeah. in, that, in that ballpark. There wasn't really, as I say. So there was the at school, at secondary school, there was um, uh, the character in the in the French textbook. There was also we had. Um, so I was very lucky in a way. Um, I had a sort of gay friend from, mm. from straight away at school, Neil. And um, we didn't, I don't think we really liked each other very much. <laughs> but, but it's good to bond But we had the... that. And yeah. It was very, I remember there was a point where, so we, we hadn't been said that we were gay. And then we had another friend, Emma. And I remember when we must have been a bit older and we were about maybe 14, 13 or 14. And then Emma said to me in double maths one day, 
Neil had told her that he was bisexual <gasps> at lunchtime. Only at, at lunchtime. At lunchtime. <laughs> between <laughs> and between then by, 10 to 12. By the end of the day. <laughs> well, it this was is the, fine I, again. I remember being told off as I just like shrieked with laughter at the thought of Neil being bisexual. <laughs> even though it had never been discussed. The thought that there might be women that Neil but, would look at and go, yeah, poor. So uh, I thought I've got to do one better than this. I said, so well, sorry, had he come out by this point? Yeah, he, well, he'd come he out to her yeah, at lunchtime. No, no, no. But had he said he was gay and then said bisexual? No, or, no. Right. So he so said, I'm bisexual. Initial... And I can't think what... Yeah, this was like yeah. baby steps in the water. Yeah. And I can't think what had prompted him to do this. Um, and I wasn't there. And I remember feeling very on the back foot. And I said, well, actually, thinking I'd go one better. I'm yes. gay. And Emma sort of did a kind of, yeah, okay. But yeah, that's one of the massive surprise. And then I think by the end of the school day, Neil had also accepted <laughs> that go. he was gay. But, um, that's so nice, though. That but it, is, that no, it was very lucky. We were very lucky in that way. And... But I do remember why this was a surprise because I do remember like in the first year was Neil and I were in the same form class. Um, in the first year, Neil and I used to talk about fancying Mr. Keegan, who was a sports teacher. So there were two sports teachers for the boys. There was Mr. Warbioff, <laughs> who was this Welsh rugby player who was all sort of big and muscly. And I always remember the most horrific thing. There was a there was a, a parents open evening. And my parents went along, and I don't know how it operates now, but they sort of saw each individual mm -hmm. sort of subject teacher. And everyone was fine, apart from the sports teacher. And mum came home, mum and dad came home and said that uh, Mr. Warbiff said, I, I didn't really try hard. And then really weirdly, mum said, <clears throat> oh, but isn't he dishy? <laughs> and I said, wow. Yeah, and I said, Mr. Warbiff, she said, oh, you didn't say he was that dishy. And he had this big, it was very 80s, this sort of big blonde moustache. Amazing. Quite muscly. And I remember thinking... Like the only person, if I'd heard that my mum fancied that would be more embarrassing, was my dad. <laughs> I don't want to know. She's oh, it's gorgeous. And I kind of almost thought, oh, no, it was me and Neil, like Mr. Keegan. Yeah, um, yes. Imagine Mr. if he'd said that. <laughs> Amazing. And Mr. Keegan was his sort of deputy, but just a much nicer man. Yeah. And not all this sort of weird, blonde, muscly, mustachio Macho, thing. Macho, yeah. Uh, and um, we both had sort of talked about fancying Mr. Keegan and with some other girls. I remember Nic Nicola Trahern being involved. So I don't know why <laughs> then us coming out to each other three years later or two years later was such a big thing. But anyway, it was in that weird way. Um, uh, yeah, so then we came out and then we were sort of, we were sort of out at school. Yeah. You know, not, it wasn't a positive experience. Oh, but we were kind of, we were the puffs and the lesbians. Yeah. And that was exacerbated when you got to the point where you, when you did O-levels in our school, you could choose, it was the last year they gave you this option, you could choose to do games or Latin. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we did Latin. <laughs> the puffs and lesbians did Latin. Uh, which I got unclassified in. And oh, I'm uh, so I really sorry, didn't do much work at all. But I was just like, <laughs> I'm not in games. That's the main thing. Um, and um, yeah, and we would just go to the cinema and have crushes on Rupert Everett and things. So, uh, and I don't remember that maybe a little bit of one on Morrissey ish. I don't know. I can't really. I think I probably slightly fancied rougher people as well, but I didn't yeah. think I could admit to that. I felt like I probably could only admit to fancying first world war poets and you know yes. this kind of thing i kind of they all had to be a bit sort of bit kind of you know romantic and failed but do you desperate. do you think that that's a bit because <clears throat> i've talked about this on the podcast before about how sometimes you fancy people because you sort of want to be them rather than because you've got an actual animal you know yeah i think there's that but also that this should be the person that i should be really yeah, yeah so is, even in a bit more sensitive you know i went home and listened to blossom deary records i think i should be fancying poets not some footballer, not some rugby player yeah. I've seen on the telly, which I think is probably what I kind of did. Yes. Um, so it was all kind of, yeah, because I was like, you know, this is a sort of camp boy, and so therefore I should 
I should be sort of after that. That's so interesting, isn't it? That you still have a thing about who you should fancy yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, it's I think a... if you're gay, you have a certain age. <clears throat> you know, you grow up with a lot of what I shoulds <clears throat> and what I shouldn'ts, and and that sort of stays with you throughout life in many respects. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I was listening to somebody. In fact, I think it's in the hours. <laughs> um, I don't, have you read the hours? Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've, I've read it. They talk, he talks about how he, how much he loathes um, gay clubs, the sort of classic like, right. gay clubs, because he said, I feel like it's all the, the it, people who were bullied at school and then they were, um, and they've put themselves into this club where they can bully. You know, it feels like a load of bullies. Oh, really? I feel like it's a real. I feel my high, main objection to gay clubs energy. is it means being out at night. Oh, yeah, really... awful. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like that sort of music yeah, and you don't oh, yeah. like you know the, yeah. the, those clothes and whatever you the feel internet, like oh, God. you know if like i remember like you know say and when when did sort of things like name gaydar and then grinder and things like that mm. happen um so when i was probably in my late 30s really before then if you wanted to meet someone it was in a club or a pub or through friends or whatever and and my first proper boyfriend was through work at the BBC, yeah. but quite sort of distantly sort of connected. And um, yeah, I mean that's how. And so kind of there was a lot of oh, I ought to go out. Yeah, uh, I ought to go out. Was there, I want sex? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to get it indoors, am I? Whereas now, if you're into that sort of thing, oh god, you can get sex. Get sex indoors. So you get sex indoors, and that's how far we've come, Chris. I'm so pleased for you <laughs> as a community. That's really improved. I think it's a big improvement. <laughs> but, um, and, and I don't remember fancying boys at school. You know, I don't yeah. remember fancying. I mean, I think that's the same for all of us. <laughs> yeah, maybe like, and also like, if you are gay, you know, it's like the idea might have been all right, but then you had to sort of share a changing room with them and they were revolting. Yes. So actually, I know there is this thing, oh, it might be, you know, the smell might be, it's not it's horrible. It yeah, was no, like, oh, I mean, God, God I teenage boys. Yeah. I teenage girls, frankly. I used to have to say, no, I can't have a shower, it'll affect my asthma. I'd oh. sort of run home to see Wonder Woman. Oh, we'd, we'd wrap ourselves in towel and we'd go, towels and we'd go into the cubicle and splash water on our shoulders. And we, we, we so must you have had a cubicle. Stunk. We just had a thing. Yeah, we, we had a lucky. wall that you walked behind. Awful. Oh. Did anyone wash? Yeah, some did. It's probably, the thing was, I remember a few months ago, <clears throat> we had some friends of Rory's over from dinner. We did it, and he's American, and he, he them now married, and they're straight. And but he was telling me these stories of like his teenage life growing up in quite wealthy California, and it was all about you know fumbling with boys in the chain. I thought, oh my god, this is like some sort of American <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> oh, oh, it was just the straight boys would wank each other off. Really? Why did wow. I ever do that? I wow. never got a chance to do that. <laughs> maybe, maybe if you... I'd gone behind the thing with the shower, maybe it was like a kind of gay. Yes, you probably you were like missing out. Yes. <laughs> no, no if you don't board, did he board? Well, maybe it's just an American no, thing. No, and I, I don't, don't think know. the boarding thing is. I think that's a bit of a myth. Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't think. My dad thing. said, "Oh, I was never pretty enough for anyone to be interested in me." Well, that's such a beautiful thing, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I just see it always happens to someone else. Every, every yeah, element, yeah, every yeah. element that I might want in my life, or many elements of what I want in my life, they somewhere else. I, but I think that's what crushes are, are kind of all about. It's all about that. I find the that fantasy. just is being alive. <laughs> well, yeah, but you sort of it's have a... the distance between what you think yeah, is yeah, is your life yeah. should be yeah. and what your you know yeah. is just not. Yeah, I mean, never I think there was a point right in my twenties where everyone I met, every man I met, gay or straight, was like, "Oh my god, what you didn't like suck off your friends at school?" Oh. <laughs> uh, no. Well, the no. producer and I are both laughing, so I don't think we were doing that either. <laughs> those oh, those poor A-boys at your school. Not <laughs> getting... worn down to a stump. 
just a pink mist. <laughs> okay, oh, but it just sort of happens, isn't it? I think, no, I was like, I think I'd have been really up for this to happen, but it just didn't happen. No, no. Although maybe you would, I was going to say, maybe you were doing something to, uh, no, I mean, uh, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> what was I doing? Well, I, no, just sort of rejecting yourself almost, just sort of going, I'm not into, you know, I'm yeah. not presenting as well, someone who's up for. Well, also the other thing was, for... the one gay boy I knew was my friend Neil. Yeah. And who you didn't even like. Who I didn't even particularly like. Which, which actually is often a preamble to fancying them. Sure. So that could have worked. But actually. He didn't. No, I mean, he. You know, he smoked his cigarettes with a cigarette holder and had a gramophone in his bedroom and a lemon yellow <laughs> cashmere V-neck jumper, and we, and we went to we went to record fairs together. I mean, it was not hot. <laughs> so hold on, the cello, the cello, and the trainee accountancy sort, but record fairs and lemon yellow cashmere. I mean, I think the lemon yellow cashmere sounds quite good. I'll no? send you a spreadsheet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Need the Venn diagram. What is okay? Yeah, please hot, just break hot. it. It down for me. Um, yeah, that's. I think accountancy could be quite hot. I do my parents' uh, tax accountancy. returns now. And it makes you hot. And I've been dealing with their accountant and I find him quite hot. Oh, really? Yeah. And is it just because he's good Well, I've only spoken to him on the phone, but oh, okay. I've looked him up. And he went, oh, wow. Yeah, so accountants can be quite hot. Yeah. Well, yeah, see, my dad's an accountant. So I just I've always had your dad. <laughs> He'll be delighted because, you know, he wasn't pretty enough yeah, for no, it. No, no, like at school. school. <laughs> This has gone in a really weird direction, Chris. <laughs> I'm upset. <laughs> Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get a creamy Oreo frappe or McCafe smoothie for less with 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Sally. Back with more Great Wolf Lodge breaking news. The new lodge in Maryland is opening with some awesome new features for the whole pack. Here's Stephen reporting live. Hi, Sally. After hitching a ride with the Great Wolves, my pack and I took it easy on the lazy river, hit the Great Geyser water park, and now we're getting ready for a pillow fight in our kid cabin. Stay safe out there, Stephen. This is Sally howling off from Great Wolf Lodge, Maryland. So, do you still know Neil? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. Well, we've been very rude about it. Well, I've been. You've been very rude about it. Our friendship slightly uh, disintegrated over Brexit. Oh, how sad! It did rather. And um, I haven't. We have seen each other since a few times. I haven't seen him for about three years. Um, It was a weird friendship because I think there was like he was my oldest friend. Mm. I'm not sure if we'd met at 25. Oh, well, we all have those. You know, yeah, so it's yeah, kind yeah. of like, oh, why we... But there, there was often a comfort in his, comfort, in his company and a, an assurance. And... Yeah, well, people know things about you, yeah, you know, yeah. from having just from having known you that long. Yeah, yeah. But we, I don't think, you know, we haven't had any point where I'd go, I never want to see you again. Yeah. Politics has always been a bit of an odd one between us. But I think the Brexit thing just kind of like, was a bit of a hammer blow to it, really. Yeah. 
And then he moved away and I kind of like, he left London and he's not far away. He's only done in Surrey. <laughs> but you never, you never fancied him? No. That was... Uh, no, no, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it was neutral. It was like, yeah, no, it was like... So then I thought, oh, my God, he's the one gay person I know. Yeah, that's it. That might be your last. Well, that was it. I kind of felt like I remember having a long time thinking, I just need to meet a gay person and then we'll go out. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, no, I've done that. I've done that. That didn't work. So, so when I when I say, who did you have a crush on? Is there a name that you're like, this is the this is the one? Well, the first one. OK, so the first one. And this is the one that I probably have the sort of the, the, the terrible, embarrassing crush story. Go on. Which verges on stalking, really. Excellent. Um, I was 17 and uh, I there was a, I mentioned earlier, uh, when we basically cut it out, we usually go to pubs in Richmond quite a lot. Anyway, it was this pub by the river called the White Cross. And there was a barman in there who, I don't think when you're in your 50s, you sort of have, have this potential in you anymore. So I remember just singing, oh my God, he's just... He's just gorgeous beyond words. He was 23. I knew everything about him anyway. He was 23. He was called Paul Opie. And he was an oboist. He was an oboist. <laughs> wow, this is a real recurring thing. <laughs> Not a cellist. Um, and I, I've been thinking about him a lot because I kind of think, what well, I remember like I was obsessed with him. Utterly, utterly obsessed with him. And I think there is that I kind of wanted... Okay, so... I remember having psychotherapy because I'd not, I'd got to 29. I'd never had a relationship for more than about a week. And a friend of mine said, you need to go and see a therapist. And I then went out with someone for about six months. And I think looking back, there wasn't much that was great about the relationship. And I think it was just sort of going, <clears> I can, <throat> can do this. Get you off and the was starting the, yeah, blocks. Get me off the yeah. starting blocks. Um, and the same with Paul. I think I was so like, subconsciously primed to sort of spot yeah. someone now of course so you're so full of internalized homophobia so of course he had to be straight it wasn't it oh. had to be straight there wasn't going to be it's not it's not heart stopper where there's yeah the, the, potential the, the boy who plays rugby turns out to be gay um and anyway he so he worked at the bar i kind of i kind of kind of had much to do with him because he was the barman in this pub that we went to and then i would go there a lot on my own to sort of just mooch about over a half a half a bitter. Oh God! And I would like if I was like wasn't working, it'd be like, oh my God, I've got to come back later. And it's like, I mean, I was just utterly. And of course, I mean, I think social media is the most brilliant. thing. Oh my God! I know <clears throat> for many reasons, and I know it's destroyed lots of lives, but also <laughs> like, I like, uh, you know, now you being can't able even, to track being able to, down the. Yeah, I mean, maybe when you're oh my God, amazing. Maybe it doesn't help because then actually it just feel it throws fuel on the fire yeah. I don't know maybe it's the worst thing so anyway so I was doing A-level music at Richmond upon I was doing two A-levels of music at the Richmond upon Richmond upon Thames College so stupid I wasn't very good at music but I went into college and I was doing English French and music and then I worked out quite quickly that French was quite hard so I dropped French and they said but you've got to do a third A-level because this is so long ago I'm so old that in those days if you didn't do three A-levels you could claim the doll Oh my god! Amazing. So you could just do two A levels and claim, but for some reason they really didn't want you to claim right. the doll. So they said you've got to do a third A level, and then I didn't want to do a third A level because I thought it's just too much hard work. 
And they said, no, you've got to do one. So I said, well, there was another music A-level. There was a practical music A-level. There was the kind of general music A-level, which is what I was doing. And then there was the practical music A-level. I mean, just wasn't good. And the only thing you could do at university then was music. I mean, it was like, well, I said, well, I'm not going to go to university. I'm just going to do this second music A-level because I won't have to do any work. I'm not very good. So they allowed me to do that. And then they said, oh, but your hours, you're still not doing enough hours. So they kept saying, maybe do maybe do typing or ping pong or something. <laughs> what about anthropology? That's interesting. And I kept saying, no, no, no. And I spent most of those two years, it was in a separate college, it wasn't as part of a school, kind of in this pub in Richmond. Or yeah, hang- when they said you have to do something, you say, can I go and look at a barman? <laughs> yeah, <three laughs> I, mean, I had a part-time job in a hotel, <laughs> so I did that. And that made me one of the reasons, the, the, the hotel was sort of near the pub and that made me why. Anyway, so I go along there and there was this barman and he was called Paul Opie and um, he was 23, I was 17. I was utterly, utterly, utterly obsessed with him. And I remember being in another pub one day with some friends and seeing him walk past the pub window with a rucksack going somewhere. And um, I just like burst into tears. I kind of think there was a bit of performative about it. I wanted this this sort of drama. And I remember another night getting sort of drunk with friends and then bursting into tears. One day I thought, no, I've got to. I remember he lived in this flat in East Twickenham rented a room in this flat in East Twickenham and I knew where it was and um, of course I followed him home and uh, he <laughs> it was all quite leafy streets and things and I remember just walking one winter's morning when I should have been at college getting the bus to this pod and just walking these streets for like two hours on the off chance that I'm going oh hi Paul <laughs> I know, I know. Just walking, but it's sort of enjoying this. Yeah, probably listening to my Walkman and rather enjoying this kind of desperate thing. Um, And then I thought, well, this walking around the streets thing, not bumping into him, isn't isn't really working as a plan. What (laughs) can I do that's slightly more practical? Well, I'm doing music A levels. I could. He's he was. I don't know what he was doing. He was a bump, but he was obviously. I knew. You know. I think he was. He he still is a professional musician, and. so I'm, I'm glad that you know what he's doing now. Oh my god, yes, on Facebook. <laughs> so um yeah, this is so he's now like well, so he's like nearly sixty now. So it's this kind of weird <laughs> I thing. mean I'm looking him up immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and um he uh, so one day I said to him, Oh Paul, um <laughs> Oh god, this is so awful. I said, part of my practical A level and he was like so uninterested you know I wasn't a girl I, I didn't even know him I would kind of occasionally he'd say hello in the pub I'd go, oh, oh, oh. Um, I said we've been set this task to um, sit with a musician while they rehearse um, and he went sort of why and I went I hadn't really thought this through at all I feel like you really should have done. you should yeah, have known that like that would be I'd the be question like, <laughs> gone, oh well, I think it's just like to get a sense of what you do and 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 how it works what you're I mean I don't think I said anything as cogent as no so anyway somehow I think just because he thought what is this he kind of let me so we agreed on this time so I went to this flat I think in my head I obviously <laughs> thought Oh, this is we're gonna sit down and then he's gonna fling his oboe. Yeah, I mean it's pretty sexy. So we sat in this. We sat in this living room. In his. So it wasn't a rehearsal, like. Oh no! I just said. Was he said? I think he might have even said. Well, I haven't got anything I'm rehearsing for. Chris, that doesn't matter. No, I come to your house. I've got tears in my eyes, guys. (laughs) I come to your house and I I just basically I sit there and gawp at you. And if you could wear shorts, that'd be great. (laughs) I mean, you don't have to pants if you like. I don't mind. Um, 
So anyway, this was arranged. And I mean, like, you know, he's 23. <laughs> and I go to his flat and I go in. I don't know. Even then. So I hadn't like, this is like a week later. I'd be like counting the tick- the minutes away. Uh, I could have like thought of a few questions <laughs> or could have thought of something to do in this time, you know, between like yeah, did you... him getting his over out of his case and us ending up in bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was going to be... Did you not least... picture how I that was going to happen? how this was going to play blurry. out. blurry. I just kind of went, I think... <laughs> okay, so I think the reason I'm so late with everything in my life is that I'm very lazy and um, I uh, never put the work in. So it's only really since I've been about 40 that I thought, oh, actually, I need to work quite hard. <laughs> That's why I had a succession of shit shows at Edinburgh. I thought, oh, I'm quite a funny person. I can sort of turn up and wing it. And um, and I didn't put the work in. I didn't I didn't think, oh, I can do this. I should ask him this. And mm, just show me your mouth again there. Mm, let me see the embouchure. Um, <laughs> I didn't think it. I just sort of turned up and thought I could wing it. And somehow it all... And, and actually, I don't think I even thought we'd have sex. I just... No. I don't know what I thought. No, you just want happen. to be near them in their like private in space. Kind of, yeah, I yeah. wanted to like corner him like yeah. a rat. <laughs> then do nothing. <laughs> do for him. Nothing. And then back away. Anyway, so I went in and we sat down on two armchairs and he... So I can't... He, and I also remember, I also remember he said... Um, I just sort of sat there as he started putting this oboe together. And he said, um, well, do you want to know what I'm doing? Oh, God. Oh, and I went, I remember sort of like thinking, well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> not massively. But I kind of went, probably sort of, yeah. And he must have said, what are you, you fucking matter? <laughs> anyway, so he put this thing together. Who and I knows probably, what he thought? I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, and then... And then, anyway, he he played for a bit and then stopped. And again, kind of went sort of over to you. you this is an essay. You're supposed to, this is a research project. Did you have supposed... a notebook or anything? I don't think I did. Oh, I think Chris. I just sat there. Oh, <laughs> just, like with, just like gawping at him or kind of then not gawping at yeah. him. Or just, yeah. Like, and then he would go, well, do you, what do you want to know about that? And I'd go, <laughs> oh, what, what's that called? And then... and. Yeah, I don't think I wrote anything down. I don't know how long this lasted. Probably only 20 minutes or yeah. so. And then I kind of sort of went, oh, that was that was great. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. <laughs> I don't think at the time it occurred to me it had been a wasted opportunity. No. I mean, I oh, I would have and been. And I don't think I thought, oh, this is, if only I played it differently, this would have worked out really well. No. No, but so you didn't feel dejected or I embarrassed? I felt. Were you just I think like, I probably, I probably, I okay. probably felt ashamed. A, I think, a bit ashamed. A bit ashamed, yeah. really. Um, I think that's yeah. I think normal. that's a fair enough response. <laughs> uh, Very much speaking from personal experience. Yeah, I think yeah. Shame is is quite up there. What's your most popular emotion? <laughs> yeah, um, if you could send me a breakdown of that as well, your emotions, <laughs> what you experience I think there most is a of thing, all. If you are remotely, maybe anybody does this, but I think even if you're remotely sort of sensitive to things, I think I probably did have a moment where I kind of, what does this look like? Yeah. Your point of view. I'd love to know. Yeah. I mean, so he is on Facebook. So wow. he, I remember at that time he was going off to play in the National Orchestra of Tenerife or whatever, or whatever. And he did. And he's still there. 
Oh my god! Yeah, he's still there, and um, I think he's probably a bit of a creep. He's got a daughter oh, who seems not that much younger than he knew of him, or maybe even older. I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, I love but... how much you know. It's so yeah. good. Well, do you know what? When Facebook started, I thought, well, that's this the is, only this point is it. of it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, the idea of like, mm, I like your post, or. Mm, Oh, or nudging people. Or I live in fear of accidentally liking a post from 2013 of somebody yeah. that I am yeah, obsessively really looking. Yeah, I tell you what. Actually, I did do that. When it wasn't a crush thing, but like I, my, I had a second cousin who I'm friends with on Facebook. I don't know if I've ever met man. Um, and his 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 grandmother, my great aunt, is still alive. She's the last from era. She's like 97 now. And I'd heard that her great granddaughter, not his daughter, but his cousin's daughter or someone she died her great-granddaughter had died I thought, oh my god this is awful but this is anyway so i just looked her up on facebook and saw that it was her she was friends with my second cousin and um somebody had posted a kind of memorial thing like two days before and i pressed the ha ha <laughs> 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 so I don't know if anyone got a notification. I don't know if anyone got a notification. You know this bloke who's very distantly connected with you. He finds that death really funny. Your uncle's second cousin is pissing himself. So, Paul Opie, I mean, I'm ha- sort of hoping that is the most embarrassing story. But... Oh, yeah, it is the most embarrassing story. <laughs> but are there, yeah. any, are there any others that you well, need to Well, there were a couple at the time. I remember there was a guy called Nicholas Garforth, who I also met. I don't know how I met him, but he, he worked at the BBC, and he was the reason I wanted to go and work at the BBC. I thought, oh, I'll marry Nicholas Garforth. Perfect. Now, this was one. He was gay, so mm-hmm. this was good. Marriage was, about, was not. So at least not, not a thing, but at least, you know. We, but he was 10 years older than me, and I just, I was just smitten with him. And he, oh my God, he was a trainee accountant. He was a trainee accountant. <gasps> oh my the God. BBC. He was a BBC accountant. This is so weird. Destiny. Um, and, but we did have a snog once. And we had a snog. And I, I thought, oh my God, this, the, my world sort of. Yeah, did your head explode? Fe- yeah, my head really did explode. But we only had one snog. Mm. And then I wrote him a letter where I said, a all letter. I want to do is your laundry and look after you. And... Uh, I mean, the tears are back in my eyes. <laughs> And then I remember one morning my mum coming into my, I was still living at home and my mum came into my bedroom and said, oh, there's a letter for you. And I remember this, this oblong thing and the, and the letter was, it was very nice handwriting and it was, wasn't written in the middle, it was written in the bottom left hand corner. I thought, oh, that's very sophisticated. <laughs> and she said, who's that from? I said, I don't know. Just, just get away. So mum funny, anyway, it was a letter yeah. from, it was a very nice letter from Nicholas, the fact that he it chose was a, to write back to me. A nice basically said, cease and desist. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really want anyone doing my laundry, and oh, I don't fancy you. Oh no, what did no? What did I he can't, say? I genuinely can't remember. It, but I mean, a nice. It, it was nice, but it wasn't this obviously is, what I wanted. Uh, he didn't take me up on my offer of laundry. Um, I'm, I, I mean, I, I could not relate harder to that. <laughs> La- post post snog laundry. Oh love. my god! Yeah, I mean, I really <laughs> let. I mean, I kind of went. Oh, this is it then. This is this is the gay person I've now met. We've had a snog. He was a really good kisser. Let's just. Do you know the um, the after Dan and I had our first date? Dan's my husband. The first 
after our first date, he said, he asked me if I'd stay over. And I said, I'm not going to stay over because if I do, I might propose to you. And he went, okay, here's the door. (laughs) And walked me home. But it was so good because it was heading, it was me just going, no, because I I might get a bit insane. Can we just take it a bit slower? Yeah. And it probably would have scared him if I'd proposed. I don't know. The fact that you said that was kind of like saying it's, it. it's similar, but it's also saying yeah, yeah. It's also saying you can lock the door yeah. for the next twenty. And it hours. was also a, a joke, enough of a joke. Oh my god! <laughs> I, we I got love your body it. language. You tell me it was a joke. <laughs> and I'm like, Listen, guys, I'm in a marriage that I got trapped into. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I can. There was so there was Nicholas Garforth. Um, and then, actually, very recently, this wasn't really crushed, but it was, is that the power of dreams? I had this most erotic dream about Matt Hancock. <gasps> and oh. I could not see him on the news for about a week afterwards. One bit of my brain was going, it's Matt Hancock. And the other bit of my brain was going, Hot. sex machine. Oh, my God. And was this post-snog video? No, I think it was before. Pre-snog. So what did yeah. that do to you when you saw that? Well, I, th- I, th- I think probably <laughs> the magic had gone by that point. <laughs> Here's hoping. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the weirdest thing. But somebody said, uh, you know that thing like when you can in dreams and, and they're mm, like God, different. And so powerful. Sort of, very powerful. And, but it's getting that hang on. Like, but be, I sometimes <laughs> would see him on the news and go, yeah, but it was like, oh. <laughs> so that lasted a week. But I think, as you, I think the dream, the ideal surely would be that you have a crush on the person you're actually with. Yeah. And they feel the same. But I don't know if that's a... No, but do you know, if even if that does thing. happen, it's not sustainable. And I think no. it might be weird when that does yeah. end to go, oh, this isn't this isn't feeling quite as head explodey as it did. As it, oh, what yeah. I feel very glad I don't have that yeah. sort of thing now, I have to say. Because it's quite... You've been cured. I think. Well, I've been cured. I think it was about trying to make myself feel alive. And because society didn't offer me the options of what could be the future... You sort of fill in the gaps. Yeah. And you, I was also, you know, I was told that gay men were hysterical and histrionic and useless. And so, like, well, I did have to cry. I did have to kind of feel a bit like that. So, to you know, to sort of either prove them right, prove me right, you know, prove the world right. It's so and confusing. It was very confusing, yeah. I, was, I remember sitting with, with Emma, my best friend, we were sort of late <laughs> teenage, and we'd sit in her room and there were always a succession of men, and, you know, that she was shagging or having crushes on. And, and I kind of felt... I I enjoyed this experience with you know would sit there and listen to the Ronettes or <laughs> yeah. Billie Holiday or whatever and she, and it was all lovely but she could actually do something about it and I couldn't ever pinpoint yeah. it so I just like focused on Paul Oakley and the Oboe Lessons yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a really good title or something Paul Oakley and the, <laughs> the Oboe Lessons, lessons. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even a lesson Chris it was just I mean that would have been something wouldn't it I know if it was I know lesson. if it had been something. If I turned it into something, if I thought to ask a question, if I thought to ask, like, what but role does the oboe play in the orchestra? It wouldn't be nearly as funny. So I'm very grateful <laughs> to you for it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said it out loud to anyone before, actually. Oh, does it feel... Uh... Just as shaming as it ever did. Yay! Sort of Brilliant! Yeah, you've, yeah, you've let it go on. I absolve you <laughs> <laughs> of that shame. I mean, yeah, I can join you in many similar <laughs> awful stories. Um Okay, so we're going to do the love maths okay, now. Okay. Uh, so who is it, Paul Opie, that Paul you're choosing? O-P, yeah, O-P-I-E. Yeah. Three, two O's. I've done Christopher. Oh, nice. You give more yeah. options, yeah. The... Oh, this isn't looking good. Oh, hang on. 67%. Ooh. 
So, oh my god! And I you know, know he's a I... creep, but <laughs> if you go over to Tenerife <laughs> and explain all of this, play him this recording. <laughs> And go. We've God, got I wonder 60, what and what's that? Sixty-seven percent chance of what? Or of, it... that's how much. That's how much the love will work between you. <laughs> that's, that's how good the marriage will be. Sixty-seven. Well, I mean, that's not bad. <clears throat> it's good. It? It's yeah. good. I'd take that. No, yeah. I think you should track him down. Yeah, we'll definitely work him. <laughs> drop him a line. I just I've happened to come across him on uh, Facebook before now. <laughs> fancy dumping your your young girlfriend for me? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you just said fancy a dump. <laughs> As my opening gambit. Oh, hi, Paul. We haven't spoken for 30 years since I turned up, 35 years since I turned up at your flat and you played the oboe for me. But fancy a dump. It's no weirder than uh, your, your previous yeah, <laughs> historical fancy story. Fancy dumping your young girlfriend for me. Oh, my God. <clears throat> no, yeah. No. Do you know you're, what I mean? You're, how, well, you're well out of that. This shows how keen I was. His uncle was an opera singer, uh, Alan Opie, and I think he sang for the Welsh National Opera. And I bought tickets to see <gasps> something that, Welton, that his oh, uncle God. was singing in because it was some sort of, you know, connection to Paul. How long did this last? <clears throat> I don't know. It's so weird that times when you're that age and it was, the yeah. whole summer's going to feel like a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say probably a year or so. Yeah. I'd moved on yeah. to Nicholas. <laughs> Better bet. Well, uh, Paul, I did get, I, I kind of was, he loved it. So it was the summer of 1987, so I was 18. And it was him that kind of, I, I think I'd probably gone, oh, so what do you like listening to apart from oboe music? <laughs> and maybe one of the questions. And he said he really loved the Smiths, and that's why I bought Hat for the Apollo and Aww. spent all summer listening to that. So that was something I still quite like. You've got that. You've got yeah. something out I of it. I got something out of it and a ticket to see the Welsh National Opera when they're on tour in London. I mean, I, I could keep talking about this for a long time. <laughs> also, we'll there was on. another couple oh, called God. something over it who edited a book of fairy tales, and I was obsessed to know whether they were connected. And his book of fairy tales are edited by a couple of them quite famous for being something. Yes, I think something I something and something OP. I thought, oh my god, it's not every day you've seen the name OP. I wonder if they're any relation. Now I could. Now Google we will away. go. We will sign <laughs> off and go and find these go things the out. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Chris oh, it's Neil. Been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Crushed by Margaret Caborn Smith was hosted by Margaret Caborn Smith and produced by Sophie Black. Thanks to everyone at the amazing TVC Soho. And if you enjoy the podcast, please remember to like and subscribe as it helps people find where we are. 